reading in a moment from Matthew chapter 6, looking at words from our Lord's Prayer again. Next week, next Lord's Day, Lord willing, Pastor Paul will be back in the pulpit beginning in the Genesis series again, Genesis chapter 3. This is Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, help us to grasp something of your word and of your kingdom today through these words. In Jesus' name, amen. Our Lord's Prayer, words of dependence and also words of defiance. Every phrase of our Lord's Prayer teaches us to learn a deeper dependence upon God and also to learn a real defiance of the world as we seek God's greatness at the expense of the world's greatness. This morning I'm going to focus only on the words, hallowed be your name. With the words, hallowed be your name, we come to the first petition of the prayer. But it is not what you would expect, perhaps, to ask God for. After establishing that he is our Father in heaven, knowing that he is full of steadfast love, he is our Father, knowing that he is in heaven, he is almighty and rules over all things, what would you ask a God who is full of steadfast love and also almighty? What would your first petition be? What is it that you most want from God? What would you want that Father in heaven to do? It isn't a petition for God to do something for us. Hallowed be thy name is a petition that God would do something for himself. God, would you please take your name, your name, which we have learned, that is a father who is in heaven. Would you please take that name and not only make it true to us, but make it great to us. Would you make us to not only believe it, but would you make us to be stirred by it? Would you take that truth and hallow it? Would you make it great to us? Would you make it real to us? Would you... Renew us through those words. And not only us, but would you also make your name great to the world also. That the world also would know how great is a father who is in heaven. Lord, would you take that truth of your name and would you publish it? Would you fill it with power for your kingdom? and make it great. I hope you can see the significance of that, that the first petition in the prayer isn't that we ask God for something for ourselves, but that we ask God do something for himself. And in by doing something for himself, he's doing all things for us. 
It is a very significant thing for us to pray. Oftentimes we ask God for a lot of things except this. But it is by answering this petition to make his name great to us that he meets all of our needs. And the first petition of the Lord's Prayer is what reveals our deepest need. Lord, would you make your name great to us? Do you want to see the people of God grow and people added to God's people? Hallowed be your name. Do you want to see people who are, are yet ungodly people and do not take God seriously to now take God's word seriously? Lord, hallowed be your name. Do you want to be healed of all of the diseases of sin, all of the ways that you are affected and inflicted in all of our insecurities, all of our anxiety, all of our addictions? Lord, hallowed be thy name. Do you want to see God's people look more like God's people? like the book of James chapter 2 that was read earlier. The kind of people that, that would love and, and respect and not look at the external things and aren't full of judgment and sin towards one another, but are united, they're gracious, they're patient, they're joyful. Lord, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name are, are words of the kingdom. And to pray, hallowed be thy name, are words that are connected to God's rule. Lord, would you make your, take your name, our Father who is in heaven, and would you make that name great? This morning I want to ask a simple question that I think is significant. What would it look like if God answered the prayer, hallowed be your name? Would you be ready for it? Are you prepared for it? Do you even know what you're saying? Reading through the Psalms, I came to Psalm 86 recently, and I read Psalm 86, 16, and it says, the psalmist cries out to the Lord, Lord, turn to me. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Show grace to your servant. And I stopped on it and I, I began to think and reflect. on What would it, what would it look like if, if God took the truths, a, a steadfast love that rules in heaven, a father who is in heaven, and he turned to us with that truth. And he heard our cry, hallowed be thy name. Turn to us, O Lord. Well, isn't God everywhere already? Isn't God's name already great? Can God's name be greater than it already is? No, but it can become greater to us. 
it can be awakened in us. And it can be a powerful instrument of redemption and salvation in the world. I was in a care home facility. One of the privileges of my responsibility are to see people that live in under care. And I was in a facility that was under lockdown and people aren't allowed to leave. And I was walking down the hall and often they uh, often have interaction with people there in, in the hallway. And people sometimes that they want, they want help. <laughs> Could you please get me out of here, sir? And you can't help them, you know, you just, you, you feel bad, but you just kind of have to say no. And, and I saw a, a, an elderly woman as I was walking down the hall and I, I turned, I smiled, but turned away from her and pushed the button on an elevator, elevator waiting for the elevator to, to come to the floor. And I heard a sweet voice behind me, excuse me, sir. And I know I can't help her with what she wants. And so I, I was just waiting for the elevator and she said, excuse me, sir. And I thought the elevator's gonna open pretty soon. And I hear her voice again, excuse me, tall person. <laughs> I knew she was talking to me. And I couldn't resist it any longer. I just could not ignore her for another one. I turned around and I gave her my full attention. It wasn't that I wasn't already in the room. It wasn't that I was already in her presence. But I turned around and I, and I, I, I gave her my full attention. What would it be look like if God heard our prayers, our cry? Lord, would you turn to us? Hallowed be your name. The main point I'd like to get across today, if you don't get anything else, I hope that you at least get this from this phrase. What are we praying when we pray, hallowed be your name? What would it look like? Well, it would, the answer to this prayer would awaken God's people to the greatness of God's name. Awaken us to the greatness of God. And it would deliver more people into the kingdom of God. Hallowed be your name as an instrument of the kingdom. It is a tool of the kingdom. It's not merely words that, that we recite as a ritual. We use the words together, our Father who is in heaven, as God's people in this land, yes, in many languages and cultures around the world through hundreds of years, to look for God to do something for himself, that he would make his name great, that it would turn his people on their head, and it would turn people into the kingdom of God who are not yet there. I'm going to use three Old Testament stories to further illustrate and answer the question, what would it look like if God hallowed his name? The first one is, it would look like water coming out of the rock. This is from Exodus chapter 17, verse 5, and the people are in the wilderness. And it is a story of weariness. Exodus 17.5 says this, And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and taking your hand the staff with which you strike the Nile, and go. And behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, 
and the people will drink. When God hallows his name, when he answers the prayer, God, would you make your name great? It is water out of the rock for a weary people. These are people who are weary with life. They're weary with their circumstances and they're weary with one another. They're angry at each other. They're frustrated with each other. The people are frustrated with Moses and Moses are frustrated with the people. They are worn out due to their circumstances. And yet it has been just six weeks. What were you doing February 1st, about six weeks ago? It has been just six weeks since they were dancing on the seashore, celebrating the destruction of Pharaoh in the bottom of the sea, witnessing all of God's power, witnessing all of the dominion of God over his enemies who oppose him. Six weeks later, let's stone our leader and go back. They are weary, they are worn out. And that describes life in the midst of God's people sometimes. We don't like our circumstances, and quite frankly, we don't really like one another that much. We wear each other out. If God were to hallow his name to us, it would be water out of the rock for us in the wilderness. The words our Father in heaven, like the people on the seashore, saturate us in just how great God is in steadfast love and almightiness. We know God's power. We've witnessed God's power. We've known God's love and his mightiness. And yet in our circumstances, we're weary. And sometimes we think, God, if you are, are so full of love, if you are so full of love and also so mighty at the same time, you could pick a better place to take me. You could provide better circumstances than a place in the wilderness that is without water. Hallowed be thy name are words that are water in the wilderness for God's people. For us to lift our eyes and say, you know, our, our life and all that we look to for God isn't merely dependent upon our circumstances. But the broader picture of the kingdom of God, I think of Revelation chapter 6, where the, where the cries of the saints ascend to the throne of God. And they say, how long, O sovereign Lord? How long, O Lord, must we wait? The people that are worn out. And the Lord says, come under my shelter and wait just a little longer. Jesus said in John chapter 7, not water in the wilderness, but water in your soul. Those who trust in me will have waters living, flowing within them. Hallowed be your name. Looks like water in the wilderness. And so Paul can say in 2 Corinthians 4, 16, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, 
but the things that are unseen are eternal. Water in the wilderness. And also, hallowed be thy name. What does it look like when God makes his name great? It looks like this, that stones hit their mark. This is 1 Samuel chapter 17. David and Goliath. And the Philistine arose, that is Goliath. He arose and came and drew near to meet David. And David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. Goliath was a tall person. Looking at nine-foot Goliath, every reasonable conclusion seemed to be that the people of God were done for. And as I reflect on this story a little bit, would you just allow your mind to wander to what's in our news today, how Christians are feeling in the world, in the culture in, in which we live? The intimidation, the defiance, the rejection of, of, of all of the things that God's people hold to and believe in, the public and bold assumption that the ways of the world will rule. Hallowed be thy name means that stones hit their mark. Goliath had such confidence in his strength. He had such confidence in his weaponry that he mocked God's people. He defied God's people. The Israelites also had seemingly such confidence in Goliath's strength that they were convinced of their doom. And they cowered. Some of you spend all day listening to Goliath. And the message is, you don't stand a chance. But when God hallows his name, stones hit their mark. And David's focus wasn't on the greatness of Goliath, but rather it was on the greatness of God. And that is where the Lord's Prayer takes us. Lord, would you lift our eyes not only on the truth of our Father in heaven, but the power of those words. 
to destroy all of the things that the enemy would use to destroy us and all of the things that Revelation 12 describes of the dragon who is making war on the saints because he's angry and he knows that he has but little time. Lord, would you make stones hit their mark? And I hope you know that the story of David and Goliath isn't about us having strength against the devil. It's about our champion, Jesus, who has destroyed the works and the power of the devil. And so the Apostle Paul can urge this in Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Not, Not in yourselves, but in the Lord. In that champion. Be strong in the Lord. And in the strength of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. When God hallows his name, harlots commit treason. This is from Joshua chapter 2. Another great Old Testament story illustrating the truth of the power of God's kingdom. Taking people who are outside of the kingdom and bringing them in to join God's people. When God hallows his name, harlots commit treason. That harlot's name is Rahab. And she commits treason with her city, Jericho, in order to abandon them and forsake them, knowing that they are devoted to destruction. And she abandons them and joins God's people and becomes a great, great, I don't know how many greats, lots of greats, grandpa to King David. Joshua chapter 2. She says this to the spies. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house. And give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother and my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, our life for yours even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Rahab knew that her city was devoted to destruction. She had heard of it through other nations that Israel had already conquered. And she committed treason against her own city to join the people of God. And Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31 says that she did so by faith. When God hallows his name, harlots commit treason. When God makes his name great, even those who are not yet counted amongst the saved will hear of God's greatness. They'll hear of God's greatness in Christ and they will understand that the city that they live in, the city of Babylon, the city of the world, the city that is, that is enwalled and encased in order to keep it safe from the things of God, They will understand that that city is devoted to destruction. And they will betray that city, hating even father and mother, 
to belong to the new Joshua, to Jesus, and to his people. It looks like this. It looks like so much of that you read about in the book of Acts, but Paul makes a specific reference to it for when he was visiting Thessalonica, when he says to the Thessalonians that, I rejoice that when I was with you, you received our word, not as the words of men, but as the word of God, which it really is. That's what it looks like when people leave the world. And even while those people in that doomed city felt secure behind their walls, God takes people and he tips them like a big old cauldron that we can't lift that is just full of, of everything of the world. God tips it into his kingdom, out of the world, and they leave it behind. So what it looks like when God hears and answers the prayer, turn to us, O Lord, be gracious to us. It is water in the wilderness. It is stones that hit their mark. It is harlots who commit treason. I'm going to close by reading Psalm 126. These are songs of, a song of surprise. <laughs> when God restored the fortunes of Israel when they were in captivity. Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. And they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in an Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Would you please pray with me? O Lord God Almighty, Thank you for your kingdom. Thank you that it is great. Thank you that it cannot be thwarted. Lord, we are a needy people. Thank you for teaching us how to call upon you. Lord, I pray that when our faces turn towards you, that we would understand our greatest need. Lord, help us to pray these words with all of our hearts sincerely with repentance, with expectation, with faith, with hope? Would you take the truths that we know of you, all the names that we know that are attached to you, that you proclaim to us about your glorious name, and Lord, would you make them great to us, not only to us in the church that we could truly be the church as you call us to be, but Lord, also to the world around us, all the longings that we have for the world around us. I pray that your kingdom would come into it with great power. May we be faithful in these things. And may you show us your grace. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.